Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 58 of Beer Another Shit, the podcast, adjunct series, quarantine edition. This evening, guys, we have something super interesting, something we haven't covered here on BAOS before. But just before we get to it, just want to shout out our sponsors. Huge, huge shouts to Dr. Nick's Amazing Man Stuff. Once again, sponsoring the podcast. Uh, these guys are based out of Massachusetts. Look at that. And um, they do a whole bunch of uh, products for people with beard on their face or hair on their faces. Um, they do a bunch of different stuff. But this evening, I just want to talk about this one. They, they're beard sanitizer. They call them Shelter in Face, which is friggin' hilarious. So basically, uh, on top of uh, the, you know, they do beard oils and balms as well, which I have been using every day since January. And I'm not a uh, beard product type of person. Um, <clears throat> this is fascinating, particularly in a time when, we're all sanitizing everything. They've. Uh, I was told when Nick was on the podcast, literally, say you're out and about in your mask and if you have a vehicle, you jump in the car and he said, you get this and you spray your whole face with it, including the mask because it sanitizes your mask, it sanitizes your, your face and then if you have, when you wipe it into your beard, you're kind of sanitizing your hands at the same time. Um, the two flavors they have are key lime and blood orange. So it's bright citrus and he said that the the aromatherapy side of it, like bright citrus, like helps you sort of feel awake and alert. Um, I really enjoy using them. It's just kind of like a nice mist on your on your face. Um, so, you know, antiviral, this is what I was saying. And everything is all made in America. There's no like cheap um, fragrance oils or anything like that. It's all like essential oils. And like he was telling me the, um, like for like an ounce bottle, they're like $150 of the type of essential oils, oils that they use. So, it's not cheap, but the product is uh, super quality. I'm genuinely enjoying it. Um, if you are interested in this or any other beer pro- beard products, they also have, speaking of beer, they have beard beer, IPA and stout scented beard oils, which is super fire. Um, they have a, a, dis- a link in the description with a discount code. Why can't I talk tonight? A discount code, BAOS21, is Dr. Nick's, D-O-C-T-O-R-N-I-C-K-S.com. Check them out. Um, honestly, man, I've been super, super stoked using these, so uh, please do yourself a favor. Now, with that in mind, this evening, um, I connected with uh, these gentlemen probably a couple months back after being introduced to the beer by my friend Craig at Craft Baranko, who uh, got me the first one, and I was super impressed with the beer itself, but also I was fascinated with this new category of functional beer. So the boys are going to tell us all about it. We got the fellas from Rally Bruco in Ontario with us tonight, boys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How you guys doing? Hey, Craig. Matt, genuine pleasure. Uh, thank you guys for taking the time. I am uh, genuinely excited for this conversation because like I was saying, I was telling you guys off air that uh, I don't know much about this whole new kind of world of functional beer. Um, I've heard little, you know, bits and pieces of chatter about it, but you guys are the, you know, the first time I've been able to, you know, really uh, sit down with somebody and, and get the full lowdown. So I appreciate your time and uh, we're going to get maybe science tonight, maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe a little maybe. bit. Just a little bit. So uh, in order to get sciencey, we're going to need to be refreshed. And we are going to kick off with your first beer, the Golden Now. And I know you've got new cans, uh, can artwork now, which is that the new one you have there? We do. We've got one to show off here. Nice. Uh, kind of the new, new design, a little bit cleaner, uh, a little bit brighter. Love it. So, 
Yeah, I'm super excited about that and uh, kind of the next evolution, kind of a new chapter here. Very cool, man. Do you want to take the photo? We take the photos as we go, uh, make sure we're documenting, or do you want me to give it to you? No. No, no. So tell us about this beer, guys. So this is a uh, 4.9% golden ale, uh, unfiltered, yep. so it's uh, got a really nice kind of like hazy hue about it. Yep. Yeah, so this is our flagship, Craig. This is a golden ale. Um, the whole goal with this beer is that we wanted it to be rich in electrolytes. That's that functional element that I think we're going to dive into a little bit later. Yeah. So we're brewing with black currant and Newfoundland sea salts. That's actually okay. kind of a really unique part about the beer. That's unique. <clears throat> our story. Um, you know, when we got into this journey, we were going down the path of functional beer, really passionate about changing what a beer could be for us. And, you know, one of the early roadblocks we had when we were pitching the LCBO is that, you know, pretty far down the process, we actually, you know, as we schooled ourselves a little bit on the regulations, it is illegal to fortify an alcoholic beverage with vitamins or minerals. Hmm. So the initial idea of, you know, brewing your favorite pale ale and, you know, fortifying it with electrolytes, that was kind of out of the window, kind of, you know, before we even got the, the plane off the ground kind of thing. Gotcha. Um but really happy with how it turned out. And so what you can do is you can brew beer with unique ingredients, superfoods, um, all that kind of stuff yes. to accomplish, you know, a nutritional composition or makeup, um, how you desired. Obviously it gets a little bit trickier and now you're pulling in different flavor profiles. And so, you know, you got a lot more there, a lot more experimentation. Um, but that's kind of what, what brings the unique kind of, uh, you know, story to the beer. Yeah. I love it. Um, it's it's super interesting. So, like, if we're going through brief tasting notes, like, I'm definitely getting like it's black currant. You were saying with a bit of the salt on there. I feel like the black currant is slightly coming through. I mean, it's not over. Obviously, it hasn't changed the color too much or anything. But it's definitely there's like a multi bready, but touch more fruity than the average golden ale on the nose. Am I accurate? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that's a good good call. And you know, we didn't brew this beer to be a fruit beer it wasn't okay. brewed to be fruit forward it was mainly brewed and, and using kind of that black current to extract the magnesium the calcium and the zinc out of the fruit uh, okay. so that was kind of the main goal we wanted to achieve you know that electro electrolytic makeup of the beer uh rather than create a funky fruit forward beer right off the bat and the the, the black current mm -hmm. just takes a little bit of that bitterness from the target hops that we use just to sort of make it a little bit more round and balanced. Um, so for those who aren't, you know, total hop heads, this is a, you know, a super crushable, refreshing beer. Gotcha. Yeah, it's really smooth, like super, super smooth. I i don't know if I'm detecting any of the salt or anything in there. I imagine it's not something that's like face kind of punching or anything. Is that accurate? Yeah, it kind of it hits you in different ways, to be totally hmm. honest. I mean – you know, this, this beer we've, we've tested it in all types of, uh, you know, situations. And honestly, after a big sweat, whether it's riding, running, kiting, whatever it is, you know, couch to 5k, depending on sort of where you are and sort of, you know, what you're sort of recovering from, you can definitely taste different flavors of the beer. And especially after you, you know, go for that sweat, the salt mm -hmm. comes through and right. it's just super quick. Um, you know, so much so that even when we drink it, we're like, okay, it's tasting this way one time. And then if you, you know, go out and get your sweat on, whatever it may be, it, it has a totally different taste profile. Hmm. Why is in that? A good 
Yeah, that's crazy. That's cool. What's the deal? Yeah. It's your, pretty – yeah. Your body's craving sodium and salts after you work out. I mean, you know, typically when you're trying to hydrate, people say water. Of course, water is, you know, key to staying hydrated. But if you are going out on those long, epic adventures, you know, that we've found ourselves out on uh, before, it's really actually salt that your body's, you know, really crying out for. Hmm. Uh, and being and the salt sort of is is what gets absorbed by your body. And, and really, when you're drinking this brew after, you know, a run or a ride, whatever it might be, that's when then you'll, you'll feel that salt coming through. Hmm. As far as... Do you taste? Does the taste change, or it's more like just how your body feels, and because because it's absorbing different things, because it's requiring different things? Yeah, I mean, for me, I find that it does change. You know, I don't know if it's changing the taste buds, but the fact that your body's craving that salt, it just does come through. And sometimes when I'm just drinking this beer, you know, if I am on the couch, and you know, sometimes we do use the slogan "sweat or no sweat." You know, it's a great beer to have. You know, at the end of a long day at work, if you've been you know, crushing it on the computer. Um, but, you know, I find after that occasion when you're sweaty and your body's craving salt, you're, you've lost, you've sweat out a bunch of, you know, the electrolytes. I don't know if you've ever tasted your sweat, but it's super salty. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, it just, for some reason, I find the beer is kind of, uh, I can't think of the word, but it like changes based on that, those occasions. Hmm. And Craig, our next, uh, our, our re- a re-podcast, you know, we got to get the, get a sweat on first. Right, we should have. Uh, yes, maybe go for a bike ride or something and then come back and be panting for an hour. I'm here for it. Yeah, I really <laughs> want to try I really want to try the uh, the post. I wanted to talk to you boys first before I did the, you know, workout and then crash the beer because I kind of want to understand it because this is such a new thing and it's it's genuinely fascinating. Um, Shouts to Beer and a Bozo, by the way. I said, look, Stella. It is, my man. I feel like I'm getting used to – this is my first beer of the night. And I always find that my – I don't know about you boys, but my palate is like extra sensitive and things taste more bitter than they really are. And then the more I drink, the more comfortable I get with it. And then now I'm at the point where – because at first I was like, oh, how this is bitter. And then now I'm like, oh, no, it's not really at all. It's it's mellowed out on my palate, but that's just me being being weird. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's fair yeah. enough. Yeah, it's super smooth. I like it. Like it's just an interesting twist on a golden ale, um, which I, I quite I, I enjoy, and I, I like you know almost feel because it's like unfiltered. That sort of you know opaqueness almost makes it feel like thicker and and uh, heartier. I guess maybe just like the yeah way that that was also. Yeah, and that's been pretty central to our story since day one. You know, it's unfiltered. You know, my beer background in beer, you know, once you filter beer, you lose a lot of the good nutrition that's naturally in there, whether it's complex B vitamins, some of the, you know, particles that might be in beer naturally through yeast. Some of that stuff can be rich in potassium as well and, and other kind of great, you know, great stuff for your gut. And, mm. you know, overall, I think beer, you know, consumed in moderation is super healthy. Obviously, once you get down into like your Coors Lights, they're heavily filtered. You know, I think you're pretty much just drinking, uh, you know, glorified corn water or corn something. Water. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, that's that, that that's sort of part of the story. Is we want it to be unfiltered. We want the ingredients to come through as, as naturally as possible. And um, and yeah, and, and you know, we wanted to create a great crushable beer, but we, we wanted to make sure that it had those functional elements, you know, built into it. Love it. I love it. So on that note, let's let's get your uh, both your individual beer stories, like how you both got into beer and then how Rally came to be. And then maybe after that, we'll, we'll go more into like the actual functional stuff. But I definitely want to hear how it all happened, man. 
talk to me, boys. Yeah, so it's a bit. It could be a long story. There's probably a few versions of it, Craig. But um, you know, for me, been a you know drinker of beer for many years, probably a couple of years more than uh, maybe legally should have. Um, so you know, I've been passionate about craft beer. I was you know early adopter of you know wanting to taste new flavors, try new styles of beer. Uh, very fortunate, you know, I got to go. Spencer and I both. We went to university overseas in Scotland, got the chance to drink a ton of different, you know, real ales over there. Uh, got to travel Europe, try a bunch of different products. And um, when I graduated university and I came home, you know, that's when I, you know, theoretically I was going to look for a job, try and get my first job, trying to figure out what a career was. What I was doing in the meantime, though, was I learned how to homebrew. So I started homebrewing. Got more and more into it from like, you know, doing a Mr. Beer where, you know, you take the two liter pop bottle and you drop the yeast in it, <laughs> you know, slowly graduated my way up to doing, you know, all grain brewing kind of out on a propane fueled um, kind of burner Ooh, nice. and uh, ended up my first job at a school was I, I ended up landing a job at a craft brewery, kind of a very small 90s, one of the earliest uh, microbreweries in Ontario called Trafalgar Ales and Meads. Oh, yeah. And I apprenticed with there. <clears throat> nice. So that was my first job. And that was really about just peeling back the curtain on something that I was interested in, kind of right. feeding that curiosity and get a chance to learn about all aspects of the business. You know, it was a family-run business. Um, got to see the realities of how a brewery works, how you make beer, all the packaging, and got a little bit of a glimpse into, you know, working with the LCBO and, and doing the logistics game there as well. Um, so I ended up working that job for about a year, did little stints at other breweries in, in kind of my hometown, like Cameron's Brewing. Nice. Um, just mainly kind of on the event side, just kind of getting your face out there into the industry. And um, yeah, it was, a, it was a really, really great time. It was right when like craft beer was really going on that like hockey stick where you know, it felt like there was a new brewery opening every weekend. Yeah. And, uh, you know, ultimately I was just a bit too young to try to do something on my own at that point. And, you know, I was making minimum wage. And so at some certain point you start looking at your student <clears> loans. <throat> and, like, okay. and I ended up actually exiting the beer industry and spent, you know, the bulk of my career since then, that was 2010 in, um, kind of the tech software industry. Okay. Nice. Yeah. And, my, uh, you know, my, my beer history isn't as storied as Alan's per se, but, um, uh, you know, after graduating from, from school, uh, overseas, I worked down in London, um, in hospitality. So I ran restaurants and I was in and around the drink scene for, for quite some time. And, uh, when I moved back to Canada, probably what, two years ago, two and a half years ago, I moved to a small town, uh, two hours North of Toronto called Thornbury. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of, you know, run up here and, and was, you know, do, on my own entrepreneurial journey while Al was, you know, figuring some sort of going on with his other career outside of beer. And I'll let him tell this, but it all kind of came together in this apartment that we're sitting in right now, right. just on that couch there where he was passing through on a pretty epic bike journey. Um, you know, I'll let him sort of, you know, go further into detail on that, but that's kind of where, you know, rally was, was sort of, kind of just put one foot in front of the other and started ticking off the boxes and going down that road of incorporating the business and then getting the liquor license and HST numbers and all of these, you know, very sort of 
nuanced things that you have to do to get a, get a business off the ground. And that's kind of the rest was history. Love it. Keep going. Talk to me. Tell me how the epic bike ride and the couch. Yeah. And- all right, well, let's, let's get go. right into the yeah, please into the origin story here. Um, yeah, so you know that that's sort of the I guess if, if you call mm. it the beer resume. I don't know if it's that uh, kind of impressive or anything, <laughs> but you know, basically, there's just always been a passion for beer. Like even when Spencer was opening the restaurant up in Thornbury, he had the building, and we were like jamming like over a few mm. late nights, like hey, can we do a beer concept here. Can we pull it off? Um, you know, ultimately for better, or for worse, we, we didn't end up doing it. We didn't have like kind of the fully flushed out, you know, 360 degree concept. We just were like, we love beer. We like drinking beer. It's a great way to bring people together. You know, I think we're big believers in it as like, um, you know, it's just a great kind of cultural beverage. It, um, but we didn't have that hook. Social we lubricant. That, yeah. We, didn't, we, we were always trying to find out, you know, how were we going to be different? What was our, pro- what was going to be our value prop? Hmm to our, you know, new customers in, in terms of what our business or beer would be. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, the other thing that I think is central to the rally story that's probably unique from, you know, most buddies that go and start a brewery is, you know, we're, we got into, we're, we're kind of athletes. We got into sports. We're big into like alternative sports. So be it trail running, you know, mountain biking, kite surfing, um, skiing, snowboarding. I mean, spent spending, I had lots of trips doing that. And we also just found, especially as we got a little bit older, those were our favorite beers were, you know, apres ski after a sick day on the mountains or after crushing a new trail on the bike. And, you know, you've really earned it. And it was about more than maybe just having a few beers and and trying the, the latest IPA kind of thing. It was about, you know, how can we incorporate this occasion and this feeling of accomplishment and adventure that you get um by kind of venturing out into the outdoors hmm. and like even our nicknames we kind of have the same nickname almost it's like trails you know because we're always going out in the trails and then if you had a long night sometimes it was like that was a long trail and there was a bunch of trips to vermont that ensued and you know there's a great craft beer scene down there that i think inspires us to a degree um just with its you know vermont's got a you know wicked kind of outdoor uh, action adventure sports industry as well. Um, so, you know, the, the, they, they do go hand in hand, those two things. And then, yeah, the fall of 2019, I was doing this bike ride called the Butter Tart 700. So it's a 700, it's about 760 kilometer <clears throat> off through like small town Ontario. And the idea is you basically ride your bike on the Bruce Trail all day. You pass through a couple towns and, the guy who designed the route, you know, he's called out his favorite bakery in each town and you go eat like 12 butter tarts because you're in such an insane calorie deficit. You've mm-hmm. been pedaling, you know, 12 hours. Um, and the second day I was rolling through Thornbury and, and I had been thinking about, um, you know, doing a, doing a beer, obviously my whole life since leaving the beer industry in 2010. But that bike ride forced me to learn mm-hmm. about nutrition. I was reading labels dropping electrolyte tablets in my water all day long, hmm. um, that kind of thing. And, and I got really into the stories behind like these cliff bar upstarts. And there was a lot of similarities to craft beer actually and how they do storytelling, brand building. And, um, you know, but at the end of the day, I just, I still wanted to find a pub, grab a beer and just kind of like, you know, have that moment as well. Hmm. And 
Yeah, literally was rolling through Thornby and, and, and kind of had this idea to try to combine the two. And Spence and I just started jamming on it, you know, that night. And uh, yeah, the rest is kind of history, I guess, from there. Yeah. Okay. So you were, that's fascinating. And it's, it's great because it's like, it, it ties in all of your passions and stuff, which is super key. So it yeah. doesn't take you away from the other stuff. So the idea of functional beer, I imagine it existed at the time and then you guys, you know, when you probably heard of it, you were like, yo, this is exactly what we want to do. Like, how did that discovery uh, come about? Um, yeah, so for me, you know, had this idea, I was on the bike trip, not a lot of access to internet in any of the spots where the butter tart goes. So it was literally like, it's got to exist. There's got to be a reason why it's not possible. All those sort of, um, that, that line of thinking was definitely prevalent in my mind. Like, there's no way that this is going to be doable or, you know, or it's going to be, a, you Google it and there's like 500 people trying to do it and, you know, I was going to get discouraged. Like, it definitely crossed my mind. But we, um, you know, when we started researching it, we didn't find a lot of people doing it. Nobody in Canada. Uh, we did find a handful of people kind of dancing around it in, in the U.S. at the time. So... There's a handful of breweries, you know, Harpoon Brewery has a beer that's touching on electrolytes, Dogfish Head. Uh, There's Sufferfest Beer Company that Sierra Nevada bought. Um, You know, there's a few kind of companies that were started by athletes or catering to athletes, or there are now a few, and even more since we've started, that are starting to tout uh, the idea of functional beer, um, and a few of them specifically with electrolytes as well. Okay. So when you realized it was possible, it's a thing, it exists, which means the science exists, which means you just really had to figure out how, um, what, what was that sort of process like? Like, were you guys able to figure out the science? Cause I imagine when I keep saying science, like I imagine there's much more to, to making this type of, um, beer, actually actually functional yeah like, you know what i'm saying than just like an yeah. average beer that, that doesn't you know as long as it tastes good right like it's more of that this must have and i'm assuming here like i don't know jack about this but i'm assuming there's probably more like as far as the process like do, did you do home brews and like all right let's test this out like how did that what is that process like for you guys i mean i think i think the first iteration of it was <laughs> we went out and grabbed just magnesium and and you know potassium in in sort of powdered form and literally just added it to a beer that we liked um okay. and you know al touched on it prior to just he, he touched on it sort of earlier on in the conversation a it like completely messed up sort of you know even just the carbonation of the beer right. started going everywhere and b <laughs> we realized that we can't we couldn't as al was saying you can't fortify alcohol um, with vitamins or minerals. So we had to figure out a way, okay, how do we look at this, uh, from a different angle and how do we extract those properties that we're looking for, you know, in our beer that would be important to us to, you know, to tell this story, um, through natural ingredients. We started doing some research. Uh, one of our advisors is a great brewmaster <clears> and <throat> I actually wasn't able to make it down for the first one, but him and Alan, you know, got all of the ingredients, um, and, and just started kind of going after it at a, on a homebrew kit that we have at uh, at Al's house on his garage or on his driveway. 
Okay. And then we just need to sort of build that down and scale up. Right. So how did you decide on, um, on a gold nail for this first beer and how did you also decide on the specific, you know, the black currants and the, uh, the salt that you decide to add to this one? Yeah. So, so yeah, Craig, it was a long process, you know, early days, I think oh, we yeah. thought we were going to go on the fortify route. <laughs> and like Spencer said, like I was rolling around with little Ziploc baggies of white powders and I was just kind of that guy. <laughs> Sprinkling in everything. I'm like, I'm just testing something out. I'm just trying to, you know, get to the bottom of something I'm working on. It's a weird eyes. You can get invited back out to those bike rides, by the way. <laughs> and, uh, like, bring more next but, time. So it, <laughs> it started pretty honestly. Like I was just like curious, okay, well, how am I going to figure this out? And I didn't really know. Um, right. At this point, I hadn't homebrewed for probably – seven or eight years. So I had given away or sold all my equipment. So literally like within a week or so of getting home from the butter chart, it was just like all over Kijiji amassing the, all the stuff. And I got a pretty sweet, um, kind of system set up now. Um, and we use that for all of our pilot beers. And, you know, once we were on the tip that we had to brew with kind of these superfood type ingredients, it was now, okay, how do we find a taste profile and a style of beer that, you know, is going to be palatable. Um, you know, bananas would be like the common fruit that jumps to mind for people when they think about potassium. <clears throat> but a banana beer, to me, just it's it's not sound like something I uh, want to consume. You know, taste-wise, you know, it just didn't ring true to me. So, you know, it started out by buying different types of fruits, tasting them, doing a lot of research in terms of which fruits are rich in what, you know, minerals. Um, we knew that salt was going to be key from day one because we knew like Goza's used sea salt. There was a lot of precedent for using salt and salt is essentially sodium, which is going to be your most critical electrolyte that you'd lose. So that was kind of the easiest one. And the next was finding kind of the next ingredient that was going to, uh, kind of bolster the, the nutritional <clears throat> balance here. <clears throat> and, um, we had to figure out what was, what, what was that other ingredient going to be that you know, if it was going to be a fruit, was it going to be something as sweet as like a banana or another type of fruit? Or was it going to be something that had a little bit more tartness to it? And we started brewing with blackcurrant and just because of its tartness, but not overly sharpness on it, it kind of just really rounded out um, everything with the salt in our in our hops. And we kind of right. just landed there, had a great nutritional composition. It's super high in in some of the minerals that we were looking to, to have in our beer. Interesting. So why a golden ale? I mean, I imagine it was probably a, a great, you know, it's not a lager, so it doesn't take six to eight weeks. It's a crushable, you know, tasty low yeah. ABV beer that's perfect for after the ride. Yeah. So definitely day one, you know, we were home brewers, so we knew that, you know, lagering or, or making a Pilsner was not going to be in the wheelhouse. Um, didn't, didn't have kind of the right setup for that. So we knew we were going to go for an ale um, I had been like a pretty heavy IPA drinker, IPA fan for a long time, but all my friends, you know, were always harping me on it about it. And so, you know, after a lot of kind of soul searching, it was like, well, how can we make an, a beer that's going to be accessible? Mm. You know, this was going to be our first beer. We wanted it to be accessible to a lot of people. Um, these sports are already intimidating enough. And so, you know, we didn't then want to make a beer that's, you know, equally as intimidating. Uh, we really wanted to, you know, use this brand as a platform 
to bring more people into these kind of action adventure sports and make it more accessible and, you know, inspire people to, you know, maybe start their, uh, you know, active lifestyle journey. Right. Um, so golden ale, you know, we've got a, you know, the Scottish background in us, you know, we're using a, a British hop that we love from kind of discovering real ales. You know, it was, um, it, you know, we landed on it relatively early, you know, as a beer that resonated with us and with our histories, um, you know, spending a lot of time in uh, Scotland. Um, you know, it was, uh, yeah, just a nice mix. And again, it, we call it a golden ale, but it's not really a traditional golden ale because of these ingredients. So right. well, whether we should have even called it anything, I'm not a hundred percent sure it was the right move because there, there's still that, that education piece regardless. Mm. Um, some people even get a little bit of sourness where this is like 10% of the way towards a goza almost. Mm. Um, but yeah, we ultimately did call it a golden ale because the base of it was golden. Mm. Right. You know, we really wanted it to be hazy. We love brewing with oats. Mm. We love the mouthfeel that that brings. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's sort of the background, I guess. Okay, no, that makes sense. Yeah, the mouthfeel, I don't know if I mentioned before, it was wild and the head was perfect. It was beautiful, like nice and fluffy. <laughs> and like it's 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 a very, um, like like I said, it's sort of because of that creaminess, it almost feels heavy like a meal that you need after a exercise session. <laughs> Is, was that intentional too? Having that mouthfeel to really give you that, 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 you know, that real, that feeling like you're putting something substantial in your body? I think it was one of those things that I, I don't think that we ne- I, you know necessarily set out for it to be, but it was one of those things as we started down that home brewing process that we realized mm-hmm. that having it unfiltered with all of these different ingredients and the oats um, just really gave it a nice balanced mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's not weighing you down. It is still, no. you know, pretty light and crisp and just super refreshing. Okay. So, with that said, now we've got the history. That's great. This is this is super interesting. So I, I wouldn't mind getting into the fun, you know, since we've been talking about it the whole time. Like maybe could you guys like define this segment of functional beer, what it actually means, what the intention behind a functional excuse me, a functional beer is supposed to be, what are some of the ingredients that would qualify uh, or characteristics that would qualify a beer to be functional intentionally, I guess? As opposed to like, oh, you chuck black currants in the beer, it's functional now, which I imagine isn't really the case. Um, yeah, yeah, could you just maybe you know, give folks who maybe haven't heard of this before just that kind of one-on-one breakdown? Yeah, so for me, you know, functional beer, even from day one, we knew that this was a bit of, uh, you know, we're kind of treading into kind of murky territory um, with functional beer. You know, we always did say from day one, like, look, this this beer has alcohol in it. Um, it's not going to be good for everyone. You know, there are certain people that, you know, they don't drink or they can't drink or what have you. Um, it's one reason why we have a kind of non-alcoholic kind of beer in development in parallel to all this. But, you know, for me, the functional beer is, it's something that we created for this athlete community that we're a part of. So we're all trail runners on the team. We're all mountain bikers. We're all into skiing, snowboarding, and, and kind of going out, having fun, having an adventure, getting a sweat on. And um, for me, functional beer, like I talk about a little bit less the actual functional beer as like the liquid as I do about like Rally as the brand platform to inspire people to go live an active, healthier lifestyle. Definitely like for me, a functional beer needs to be a better for you option. Um, 
you know, I always had a can of craft beer in my camelback when I was out mountain biking. That was just already part of the culture of, of riding a bike or going skiing mm-hmm. is that you're, you're probably crushing, you know, one or two beers after. Um, so it's got to be better for you. It's got to be, you know, kind of like tailor made for that occasion. So for me, the, you know, the golden ale, it's rich in electrolytes. It's tailor made for that post ride, post ski occasion. Uh, when your body is craving electrolytes. Yeah. If you drink a dozen golden ales, like you're not driving your car home and you're probably not getting hydrated, you know, for the next day. Um, but it is a better for you, uh, beverage, it's tailor-made to the occasion. It's made by people in that active community. That's what I think is the real difference maker. Mm. Um, and for us, we also talk about functional beers being much more than our flagship and brewed with electrolytes. You know, like trying to throw crazy stuff at the wall and see what sticks. You know, what could a beer be? Can we brew with lion's mane mushrooms? And can we pull out some of these different types of adaptogens and nootropics that you know, we're starting to learn about and starting to see come out of other non-alcoholic beverages. Hmm. And can we, in a thoughtful way, you know, brew with those types of ingredients and bring that into the fold. And now we maybe have a functional beer that has something other than electrolytes, other types of functional benefits. So that's been key to our thinking from day one. Mm -hmm. And then the other big thing for us, why we think Rally is kind of a force for good is that it's a platform to inspire people to get active or to inspire people to go on a bigger adventure or to tell some of these stories of, you know, endurance athletes doing a crazy thing or, you know, just learning about the planet, getting a deeper connection with, you know, the environment, all that kind of stuff. Okay. So it's like on top of like the nutrients that would come with the food or the the additions, it's, it's just like getting people to, you're talking about being active, particularly at a time when a lot of us aren't active and like the Ontario just shutting shit down. Like a lot of people can't yeah. be active. Um, but the idea is that you're on, on top of that, the idea is like reminding people like, Hey man, like you're supposed to move and do some stuff and here's something that could potentially make you feel nice. After, and, uh, celebrate, and celebrate your wins, no matter how small. Gotcha. Right. You, you yeah. don't, have to be, you don't have to be a crazy, you know, ultra runner or cyclist. It's, it's really, as Al said, to just, you know, encourage people and inspire people to, you know, continue to live a, a, you know, a healthier, active, more active lifestyle. And, and, and again, you know, active and healthier is all up to, it's, it's all subjective at the end of the day, but we're just trying to be that catalyst for people to, you know, get out and, 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 and enjoy a beer after whatever it is that they did. Love it. I love it. That's dope. So then as far as the ingredients that could qualify a beer to be functional, um, what sort of things would someone typically find in a beer that would be defined as functional? Um, I mean, I think right now, you know, at least the trend that's coming out of the U S and, and sort of, you know, where we've had some success, definitely, you know, higher contents of salt, um, you know, punishing the body with those, with those electrolytes like sodium. And again, it's just really, really quenching, especially on a hot day, something salty. I know it sounds weird, but it's so quenching. It's right. like, it, it, it really is. Um, and then just trying to find out, you know, other ingredients like uh, black currant that we had, had picked off in the first one. Um, but as Alan said, I don't really think, we don't think that functional necessarily holds just true to just, you know, the, the ingredients that are in the beer. It's more of just the entire makeup. So that could be, 
you know, sorry, really just better for you beer, whether it's low calorie, low alcohol, whether it's electrolytes, whether it's no know, alcohol, no alcohol, adaptogens, nootropics, whatever it may be. Yeah. Right. And Craig, the one thing I'll add is that, you know, for us, we brewed with blackcurrant less so because of blackcurrant and more so because we wanted to get, you know, potassium and magnesium into the beer. And, um, you know, we had a target that we were shooting for on day one and we had done our calculations with, you know, our brewmasters and some of the people in the lab at the brewery we use to, you know, understand how much potassium we were able to successfully extract through the brewing process. And that's where a lot of the kind of innovation came into play because, you know, just because you brew with something that has potassium in it doesn't mean you're going to retain it into the liquid that gets packaged. Right. So we actually had a, we were shooting for like, I think 180 milligrams and, you know, everything we did told us, yeah, we hit it. But to be honest, early days, we couldn't afford to send the beer to a lab. So we were like, okay, we're going to roll with it. We didn't have a nutritional fact table on the can at the time. You know, we knew it was rich in electrolytes. We didn't have the exact numbers. And then when we could afford to do the lab test, we did it. And, you know, it turns out we actually ended up getting 300 milligrams of potassium into a can or alley, which, hmm. you know, that's equivalent to a banana. No shit. So it actually, yeah. like, it holds through, like, you know, blackcurrants in a million different beers and no one I've ever heard, you know, talk about these other properties that would, that would come into it. Um, yeah. So it actually, is it, does it, in order for the beer to retain those minerals, is it, is there a different process or it's kind of the same as anything else? Well, it's, um, that, that's where a little bit, I guess, of the secret sauce is, you know, if it goes into the full oil, you know, you're probably going to boil away any nutrition. Um, so there's a balance of kind of when and how you add it and, and kind of in what quantities. Um, but you know, for us, it, you know, when you're talking, when we talk about functional beers, I'm more thinking about, to me, I always go to what was the final kind of makeup of the beer rather than, Oh, we brewed with all these really cool, crazy superfoods, but we kind of just put it in like a little bit of apple cider vinegar or whatever. And it maybe didn't actually have a, you know, legitimate impact on the beer. For us, what we're what I'm really proud of is like that that we did, you know, successfully get you know as much potassium as a banana into this beer. Right. Interesting. Okay, that's fascinating. Um, beer and Bozo yeah. saying, is it contract brewed? Yeah, yeah. So we contract brew it. So we do the recipe development in house, um, and then we contract brew. We use a brewery in London, Ontario called Equals. Um, they would be kind of one of the top two or three, you know, contract brewers mm-hmm. at least in Ontario. And they've been a fantastic partner. Um, a lot of benefits, I think, from you know the brand's perspective. We don't have the overhead. Um, I'm not a manufacturing expert, and uh, you know, especially with COVID, 100% of our beer is uh, packaged into cans right now. So you know, we're getting access to uh, you know really sick canning line and uh, kind of all the bells and whistles that uh, far surpass Spence, what we would have been able Spence to afford. and I's you know pocketbook at the time. It's still. Right actually and um yeah so we're, we're proudly contract brewed with equals right now love it now we had justin on last year and i know they do some uh, really good stuff i know a bunch of uh, breweries that are brewing out of there and they seem to be doing a yep. phenomenal job never heard of even a, a whisper of a bad word about them so that's great i yeah. love it yeah, yeah they've, been, they've been great i'd love to hear that so okay so i just i made a couple notes early just so i was so i didn't forget so the electrolytes you mentioned before, like with the salt, and 
in the Goza. So what would make, what would differentiate this beer specifically, say something from like a fruited Goza, like if you wanted to compare, you know, like this is, it's got salt and it's got the black currant in it. So one could, if, you know, obviously got the, one of the main differences that I imagine is the malt profile that makes it yeah. like you, and sort of a golden ale was what you intended. Like what would differentiate it from, from say like a Goza? Yeah, I think it's I think it's that base recipe, you know, um, the malt profile, the yeast. Um, you know, we weren't going for a sour, super complex uh, flavor profile. Right. Um, I think you know we might have got maybe you know some people's palate they do kind of call us a little bit of the way towards a sour, but it, that wasn't the intention. We were trying to make super crushable beer. Imagine yourself, you know, middle of a heat wave and you've just finished, you know the longest bike ride of your life, whether it's five kilometers or, or 150 kilometers and you need to crush a beer because you've just, you're about to potentially pass out. I don't know because you've got <laughs> no sodium left in you. I mean, it happens like you watch bodies bonk on a hot day because they've sweat and they haven't, you know, put the nutrition in their body. You know, that was what we were going for. So, um, you know, I think the main difference there probably is probably something to the yeast and, and the, you know, mall profile, but, it's the whole package and, and it was the vision that went into it from the beginning. You know, we weren't trying to make a really sour beer here. Gotcha. Okay. So there's the literal style differences is probably the main answer. So then yeah. the other side of that is what would stop a Goza or a fruit, say a, a black currant Goza, what would stop that being considered functional aside from potentially, like you said, like the intent behind. So, what, you know, you know, there, there, there may in fact be other beers that could have a similar nutritional makeup of this beer, hundred okay. percent. Um, it does come down to you know maybe how you market it a little bit. It's also you know what is that that right flavor for for this occasion? Oh, You boys, you there? Yeah. Sorry yeah. about that. There's yeah. a, I didn't even look. We had uh, whatever. It's a long story. But the way that this program works, you have to have interview time added. And I let it run out because it, it refreshes oh, okay. next week. And I don't, I never had that before where it doesn't even come up to one. Ridiculous. Either way, it took two seconds to get more. So um, we were saying that. Um, like a Goza. So yes. What, what, you know, yes. Yeah. For me, that flavor profile, you know, that occasion after a big ride, and I don't know, to be honest, I got to sharpen my pencil on it a little bit, but, you know, for me, Gozas are a little bit too sweet. Um, we didn't want to have have any sugar in the beer. Gotcha. Um, you know, a lot of athletes will kind of swear off sugar during their kind of training regimes if you're going for a marathon or an Ironman. Yeah, for me, the just it was a flavor profile thing. Flavor profile, Okay. So then the other thing I know, so there's a new, I don't think it's on this can, but there's like a cool saying, or like a, like a tagline on the new can about hydration. Yep. What? what yep. So I got it here. There you go. Hydration's on the horizon, right? So I was yep. curious as far as like the beer, from my understanding, beer is or whatever the alcohol is a diuretic makes you piss. Therefore, doesn't necessarily hide. I think you kind of answered this question with the salt thing, but I wanted to yeah. just just uh, be curious as far as the hydration element that you're um, mentioning 
is that mostly surrounded the like about the salt or where does that sort of come from? Yeah, that's because of the electrolytes. So electrolytes allow your body to absorb, um, you know, the liquid in there and the, the water, I guess, and the hydration aspects of a beer, you know, alcohol for sure is a diuretic. You're drinking, you know, 40% strength, you know, spirits, but this is a, you know, a beer, as long as it's drank in, in moderation, you know, we, I do believe even a traditional beer, you know, one of them, you know, you get a, a quenching kind of hydration effect from it. Yeah. And there's a lot of data that will go either way. Okay. Marathon runners that swear by it studies that don't, you know, we're not going to run a clinical study. That's not our intention. Our intention right. is to make a fun and get people outside, inspire them to go on a sick adventure. Um, and we're, we're not, we're, we, we, you know, I think a lot of this stuff gets really blown out of context where, you know, a brand like us come out with an innovative product like our golden nail. And, you know, people just jump to the conclusion that, okay, these guys are just telling people just to strictly drink beer and you'll be hydrated. No, we're not idiots. We don't do that. We set out to create a fun brand, as Al said, you know, be that platform to people to, for people to celebrate their wins and really create that, that occasion. I mean, when we set out, you know, our goal was, you know, pre COVID was to be that, you know, that social lubricant at the end of races, at the end of rides, at the end of all of those, you know, fun activities that seem so foreign to us now. Um, and just have some sort of, you know, functional component, be it electrolytes that gives you that added benefit whilst you're having a beer versus just emptiness from a normal beer, if you will. Gotcha. Okay. So that makes sense. Um, when I was, uh, you know, early today, I was like, oh, I should probably like look into this a little bit. So I'm not completely like, I still don't know shit about it, but I, I saw a couple of articles that were talking about it. And I felt that some of the way that the writers came off, they were a little like, they were kind of like, uh, what's the word? They're just like doubting it. Like as if it was actually a thing. And then there was one that I read that had an interview with a scientist or somebody, some, some, someone who supposedly was an expert that, was saying they, they they doubted that it was actually a thing. So I was curious to see what you guys had to say about, uh, and this was in like the, uh, I think it was the Toronto Star, if I'm not mistaken. And um, I was like, oh, okay. So I, I, this was news to me that people were doubting uh, the the legitimacy of a functional BA, even though, like you guys said, there was there's one that Sierra Nevada bought, like you, know, you guys aren't the first, you're the first in Canada, but you know, it's existed. Obviously, Sierra Nevada bought someone. There's got to be something to it, and the fact that it seems to be a growing uh, sort of subgenre or you know subset of beer. Any yeah. any sort of for people who uh, I guess I'm only mentioning this just to be like give you guys an opportunity for anybody who would be like, oh come on, does it really like hydrate you or like you know yeah any any, any sort of anything you'd have to say to to people who maybe be just just questioning it. Yeah, I mean, for me right away, like, I think it's natural that there would be, you know, big newspaper media publications are going to doubt it. I think they're coming from a lens of distrust of big corporate beer. Mm. And so there's definitely always a risk that big corporate comes in and they just kind of tell a marketing story and that whole idea that we're being sold snake oil and all that kind of stuff. I think that's very real and that's a very real kind of issue and there's definitely a world where big corporate comes into the nutritional world and they don't tell you what's in the beer or they mess up the, you know, NFTs on all kinds of, you know, thousands and thousands of products that are lining grocery store shelves. 
Mm. You know, I've got a natural distrust to that as well. So if potato chip companies started saying, you know, Miss Vicky's with electrolytes, I'm probably going to get my, you know, spidey senses tingling. Um, So for us, you know, we're, we're a small company. We're founded by athletes. We've tested it. We've, you know, you'll also find equally as many articles. I would say it's pretty balanced. People mm-hmm. saying that it that it's real, it works. You know, um, Olympians drinking it, Ironman athletes drinking it, and then there's people that are saying that are having some natural distrust to it. I think that's normal. I, I think that's something that we're comfortable with, and you know, but we're we're not that corporate behemoth. We're an extremely small company, um, testing every batch. You know. Um, kind of working with it hand in hand and, and putting it in hands of athletes. And, you know, we're not encouraging people to, this isn't their new party beer. It's, you know, really truly tailored to that occasion of, you know, have it at the finish of the line or after the big ride this weekend. Gotcha. And, and really it goes back to that conversation of, you know, if you are going to be reaching for a beer after that occasion, why not be at a beer that does have some sort of, you know, healthier aspect to it whether you know and in this case being salt and black current with the electrolytes um so you know by no means are we trying to argue science but you know i think a lot of things get taken out of context um and and that's fun i mean it you know for us in the startup any news is good news and, and we feel very confident with our product and our brand and our story uh to be able to you know defend it if we need to and, and be able to you know, continue to build the great community that we've, that we've built so far. Love it. I guess you're right, man. Like it's like any, any publicity is good publicity. If they're talking about it and then people see it like, yeah, let's see what this is about. So the very least it'll bring some awareness, right? So it's never a bad thing. Is it, is it more good? Like, and to, to your point, Alan, that yes, there was like pretty much equal, um, you know, coverage. It was just more, I was surprised by the negativity um, because I was introduced to this super positively by Craig from Craft Brand Co. who was like raving about it. And then I tried it and I think I still didn't really know what it was when I first tried it. And I was like, oh shit, okay, okay. And then he put us in touch and I was like, as soon as I tried it, he's like, Do you, yeah, I'm like, hell yeah, I want to talk to these guys. Like, this is this is fascinating. Yeah. So I was coming at it from like a complete just, oh wow, this is new, this is fun. And um, I'm far from an athlete, but like I, I like the concept of just something innovative and fun in, in beer. So I was all for it. And then- if I'm seeing something negative, I was like, what's up with that? Like, I just thought it was strange. Is it more positive than negative what you guys are mostly hearing? I'd be just curious. I would say like overwhelmingly positive. And uh, going into this journey, you know, I think there was a, a, before launch, it was like, I don't know if like people are going to be stoked on this or if they're going to be questioning it, you know, heavily from the beginning. And I mean, I've not had a single kind of athlete or somebody that's a beer drinker come at it from any place, but a place of, Oh, I love this for kind of after, after the session. Um, so. and, I, and I think it's, it's, you know, it being such a unique product, it's allowed us to then be able to talk to the, talk to our community more about our story and what we are trying to do as a brand, as, as a whole, mm-hmm. uh, as a, of rally. And we intentionally went really hard, um, you know, on our pilot brews and some of our test products on, you know, really top tier uh, triathletes and Ironman athletes and, you know, these types of people that probably would be the first ones to be like, all right, guys, like, fine, but, you know, kind of 
not give us any validation. And, mm. you know, the response was overwhelmingly positive. Um, but, you know, there is always going to be, you know, the other side of the coin. Um, and, and, and that's fine. And, and, I, and we, I, again, like we're, we're, any press is good press. Um, but it, it just allows us to have another platform to continue to tell our story and our journey as a brand as we uh, continue to navigate this. Love it. No, that's great. Man, like on that note, should we get to your uh, your next beer? Sure. I'm, uh, I'm keen. I have not tried this. I uh, held off because I wanted to drink with you guys first. Do you mind grabbing Oh, nice. Chance? Thank you so much. So this was a um, this was from when uh, Alan, you and I spoke. Hey? First taste, Craig. First taste. I'm excited, man. I think uh, you were telling me when we first spoke that this is the new batch. It was kind of like tweaked. Um for this, yep. um, for this one, thank you so much. And this is your yes, e- extra mile locale IPA. Exactly. Yep. There, there we go. you Look go. At that. Look at him in the new can, looking gorgeous. Oh, it's got the nutritional facts in this. Only ninety nine calories. Shit. Yeah. So that was what we were going for with this beer. Is you know, there's an element that you know, as brand owners and even as drinkers and athletes you know i was missing that kind of pop flavor from the ipa that was sort of my my drink of yesteryear um was great back into it you know really yeah. proud of the can we still incorporated like kind of our uh, topographic lines this is um, great all of our kind of stravi users and, and kind of outdoors people love it one of the um what are the hops in this one so we brew with this is, um, mainly Citra with uh, Centennial hops as well. Citra Centennial. That's a good combo. Good solid combo. <laughs> yeah, so we experimented. We did this brew. Um, Craig, the, the concept for the beer was that we wanted, you know, we had a lot of success with our flagship beer, especially amongst athletes. Okay. Generally, I would say early days, more the harder core athletes. So people that are doing Ironmans, uh, people that are doing marathons, that kind of thing. Okay. And we realized that there was a whole world of people out there that, you know, there that was aspirational, you know? Yeah, I want, I dream of doing a marathon one day or of doing an Ironman, but maybe they're not quite there yet. Um, I think there was also an element of, you know, being locked down, drinking a few too many golden ales, getting a bit of a beer belly myself, but, you know, just getting the feedback that, and I, and I actually started to crave yeah, I need a lower calorie option. This mm. is still a full calorie beer. This is like our flagship beer is 200 calories for context. Okay. Um, this it is, is 473 miles, but, you know, still significantly more, you know, caloric than this beer. And so this was kind of paramount to our brand of being inclusive to everyone. So the idea that we had a beer for everyone, someone who's early, maybe earlier on in their fitness journey. Hmm. I like that. First of all, I need to sip this. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Mm. Nice. So it's 3.5%. It's got a really nice mouthfeel, nice and dry, dusty. The, um, the, the tropical hops are definitely coming through heavy on the nose. I'm getting a little bit more, um, touch a little maybe um, earthiness, at least on the first sip. Obviously, I'm adjusting from two different styles, but I'm getting a little, maybe that's from the Centennial. Um, yeah, super, super easy drink, but plenty of flavor, more flavor than it should have for 3.5, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, so the whole goal here was to have like that full packed with flavor. Yeah. Uh, we love the citrus, you know, the that citrusy taste, especially in the summer. That's you can imagine, you know, 
being um, just out you know on a hot day and and this is sort of that super crushable you know easy drinking incredible um, you know but still kind of a bit of a nod to an ipa even though it is you know lighter on the calorie front and uh you know a little lighter on the alcohol front too Definitely. No, I'm totally picturing like, you know, even just like a park hang. So it's not, uh, you know, you're not just shoving uh, tons of calories in your face here, you know. Yeah. I know you guys aren't allowed to be in a park anymore, goddammit. But, you know, for now we can. Yeah. Solo, you know, alone I can go to the park. Oh, you are. I thought they said something about like if you see a park bench, don't, don't, you have to be uh, moving or something. Wasn't there something ridiculous hey. like that? They've caution taped a lot of benches, but out- outdoor Jesus exercise has always been allowed. So that is still allowed. If they don't moving. want you to go right. 20 yeah. runner, twenty of your running you know, buddies in the whole club, but uh, they do encourage you to get outside. And, and as would I, um, you know, got to stay sane oh, uh, somehow. Oh, yeah. it's wild. No, this is, this is perfect. So is this one a functional – because I was looking at this earlier and I wasn't sure aside from any salt component, um, which I yep. didn't specifically see as an additional uh, thing, even though it does say it's got 60 milligrams of sodium. But was there uh, – would you consider this one a functional beer in the same way that you consider the golden ale or is this a little bit different? Yeah, so it's got a you know it's got some sodium in it for sure, but we're not really telling that same electrolyte functional story with it. For this, the functional story is that it's low in calories and it's lower in alcohol. Gotcha. Um, that that's kind of the main story we're telling with this beer. Okay, so more accessible, and we wanted to hit some of those classic uh, flavor profiles that that we missed as well. No, this is it's it's certainly hitting that. I love that. It's also because you, I was sort of visualizing when you mentioned like you chuck some of these in your Camelback if you're going for a ride or a run or whatever. This is a little, uh, you know, a little easier, a little lighter to, to have on you as well. You have a few more of these in that bad boy and, uh, you know, yeah. sling them exactly. around. Less, less waste to bring <laughs> sure. back as well, um, which yeah. is super cool. Is this one out now? Is this uh, obviously the, the Golden Nail has been in, out for a bit? When, uh, what's the deal with this one? Yeah, so we, we actually just launched this beer this week. Uh, so it's pretty early that we're talking to you today. Perfect. Um, timing. Yeah, we've we've been in the works with this one for a little bit a little bit now. It kind of you know came pretty hot off the heels after we launched the Gold Nail. Alan and I were kind of sitting around figuring out, okay, what's going to be next. Um, and we decided on this style of beer. Um, but for right to answer your question, uh, right now we are only in the beer store in Ontario. Okay. Um, so we're in about thirty stores across Ontario. Um, and then we are slowly starting to, you know, get some access to, to grocery and, and hopefully LCBO down the line. I know that's a uh, whole thing. LCBO really don't make it easy, eh? Yeah, for sure. They, they say the second skew is the hardest one for you to get in there. Um, and, uh, you know, we've, o- we've only been on shelf with our flagship for eight months. So kind of the feedback we're getting is they, they generally want to see a year of data and, prove yourself for a year kind of thing. And then they'll start looking at a second. Okay. Um, but I think it bolsters that our ability to add the second one potentially sooner, especially if we get some sales data, um, you know, at the beer store and at grocery from that. Love it. No, that's great. So people will be able to get it from the beer store, at least for now. So just check the beer store website or app or whatever and search for it. It's probably the best bet. For sure. And, yeah. you know, we got a few bars and restaurants that have picked it up, you know, it's kind of like the same story as this winter. Like we got all the ski clubs to carry our golden ale and then lockdown happens and they're shut and then they're open again. And 
So it's been a bit of a, a bit of an uphill battle, but you know, we're getting the beer out at, you know, some of these fun bottle shops that are on bike trails. Um, you know, we've been working on some even, um, events that we're going to run, you know, we got down the line. We had an amazing property on this, uh, across the street from the mountain bike trailhead up here. And anyways, now it's a little few question marks, new question marks, even after today's announcement, but yeah. Anyways, we'll get it done. <laughs> right. It's just going to be a matter of like time, I guess. I was going to yeah. ask as well, like you know, what what has been that you guys are contracting, uh, and that you're also quite new. I mean, imagine you launched during a pandemic. Is that accurate? Right in the middle of it, man. <laughs> right. Yeah. In the middle of it. <laughs> and how uh, how was that been for you guys? Because you being you know that you're contracting this totally different uh challenges for you guys yeah how how's it been? yeah yeah so i mean there's been um a, a lot of google hangouts a lot of like video chat like this kind of thing with the brewery you know when we weren't allowed to go in um certainly the contract brewery can't afford an outbreak uh, a lot of a lot oh, of brands so. depending on them to not close um but the biggest one for us is just you know we haven't been able to get the amount of sampling and trial and brand awareness that we would have, you know, gotten otherwise. So we had lined up some, you know, some of our favorite bike races. We would have been at the finish line, you know, pouring beers, telling the story, letting people know that we're in the community. You know, I think that's a big part of it too, especially for people that are, you know, in these cycling and outdoor communities, they're, you know, happier to support and kind of vote with their dollars, you know, a, a company like ours maybe than, than maybe a big corporate multinational. Mm. Uh, you know, I think that's another part of a story that we, we've, we've missed telling you guys about is that, you know, for one, we're 1% for the planet since day one. Uh, we've been committed to, you know, you know, making strides in how we, um, you know, better our environment and try to leave it in a, in a little bit better place uh, for the next generation. And we've also kind of kind of cordoned off another section of business that we call rally for good. Mm. So, you know, pretty much every event, you know, and every month we do a focused initiative to spotlight a charity and do something uh, for good and try to use this platform to, you know, shine a light on, you know, raise awareness and raise real, you know, funds for, you know, environmental uh, health and well-being. Uh, as well as community building uh, charities. That's dope. So even you know during the uh, during all of this, you still found a way to make sure you're uh, giving back. Yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty pretty scrappy. Yeah, like we did this one uh, trail cleanup with an awesome uh, you know group of people called Don't Mess with the Dawn, and anyone that's listening in Ontario or Toronto. Uh, you know, they've been a force to reckon with that and a huge part of helping clean up the trail system there that is used by so many people. And just unfortunately, you know, where it is located and, and it's sort of surroundings just, you know, it's completely littered with garbage. Mm. But at, on one of the trail cleanups that we did, we had to hop a fence and cross a railroad to where all these tires were laying that we needed to clear. And, uh, you know, some, you know, mountain biker on a really fancy bike thought he was doing the world good bike calling the cops on us he didn't really see what we were doing anyways the cops came and um ended up helping you know remove the tires and you know gave us kudos for you know helping you know move trash from this trail system that's kind of getting neglected so uh, we've been trying to do our best as well as you know keeping the public and ourselves safe of obviously what's going on but 
if, if this pandemic's taught us one thing, it's taught us to be very scrappy and to be creative and to think outside of the box in terms of how to drive awareness and, um, yeah, just awareness to our brand. Right. I mean, like, there's no better uh, challenge, really. Like, you know, you put back against the wall, you got to figure it out. So, yeah, yeah. Put of, I mean, well, I prior to COVID, Alan and I had our like our spring, summer, fall kind of sketched out, and we were going to kind of kind of divide and conquer. And Al kind of touched on it earlier, but go very much like how Cliff Bar built their story. Go very grassroots, and we we're going to latch on to all of these amazing grassroots events that happen all over Ontario every year that probably go unnoticed just because they're just not crazy mainstream, but get in with a lot of those communities, um, get that face to face trial sampling, get feedback and just that way. Um, but that didn't happen. So we had to resort to kind of just doing our own thing. And, um, you know, so far it's been a really good challenge. Um, and I guess we'll just kind of continue to do that until we're, you know, allowed to do other things. Okay. I love that. I think that's really smart though. Just with any business like niching and you guys are incredibly niched in multiple ways with both the types of beer and the intention behind it. And then the communities you're trying to target. I imagine there's not too many, you know, breweries going straight for those, you know, wanting, you know, wanting to put it in the hands of someone who just finished a bike race and stuff. So it's, it's, it makes complete sense that you go straight for those. I, I would imagine that those type of events would be, more likely to happen this summer than not being that they're outdoors and they you're not like spitting in each other's faces yeah. type of thing. La- last week I was more confident than today. <laughs> the news is a little fresh today, but um, yeah, I think you're right. And um, you know, any you know, some of our advisors too who come from the you know, beer industry, you know, this is a terrible time to start a beverage brand can't do sampling tastings all that stuff's unavailable um i don't know if those levers work but um you know it's been a little bit just just different and but like some of my favorite things have come from it like when we hit a yeti cooler in the woods you know give the gps coordinates kind of thing to a trail running group and then they were able to on their virtual run you know grab a beer on their own take a selfie kind of thing so we got to do some really kind of fun cool trial events that I think I'd love to reenact post COVID make them, you know, a little bit more fun, maybe a little bit more social, but still incorporate some of these things that we've, you know, all come to now know as I guess this new normal, even though I hate that saying, um, it's annoying. just as a new fun thing that, Oh yeah, we, we, we had to do this because of COVID and, but now it's part of, you know, rides and we've got some beers on dry ice. They're cold. They're out in the middle of the woods. there. like, go for it. Um, love to incorporate some really fun wacky stuff like that too uh, to, to some of our activations that's key no I think that's that's really smart man I like that a lot I think that's just like a great way to you gotta you know you gotta I, I like the idea even of taking what you guys had to do we were forced to do during COVID and then <laughs> you know sometimes like even this we were forced to do this like the podcast yeah. virtually and I kind of like it now because like, like what if I wasn't going to Toronto for a while then I couldn't sit down with you or whatever so now like it there's there's ways around it all and i've been able to expand more so i feel like before covid you wouldn't couldn't pay me to do a skype podcast and people had asked i'm like no chance like the whole thing about it was sitting next to you boys we look each other in the eye and we have a beer and we hear the story and blah 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 it's a whole part of the experience but 
I see the value in this now. And it sounds like, you know, you guys have been able to be creative and come up with other ideas. And then you'd be post COVID, you'd be like, well, that was kind of sick. Let's just take that and like, you know, tweak it a little bit, but I love yep. that, you know, cause it's not, you know, obviously this isn't a positive time for anybody or anything, but you're making it into a positive and taking some of the, you know, the, the good things that happen and being able to run with it. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. And there's been some other positives, I think like, um, you know, participation in outdoor sports is way up. Um, I don't know if you've tried to buy a bike lately, but you know, you can get more, more people no. are on the trails, more people <laughs> are running than ever, you know, they're out of the gyms, they're into the wild, um, you know, for good or bad, like the cross country ski trailheads were packed this winter, you know, still safe because people parked and then within five minutes you're in the trail network and you're, you know, very yeah. much so on your own. But, um, you know, so the, the interest is there in this kind of outdoor adventure world. And, um, now the challenge is just kind of getting in front of those people. Um, you know, obviously hopefully we can do that in person because I think everybody's missing that social interaction. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're excited to give a more experiential kind of vibe, you know, hopefully soon. I love it. Hopefully sooner or later. So then yeah. uh, the, the, what's coming up next for you guys? I mean, you mentioned earlier you, you're starting to work on the non-alcoholic product, which is super smart and super cool because that, you know, makes sure everybody, you know, whether you're a drinker or not, or even if you just don't want a beer after, you want a beer flavored water or something like what what other products that you can talk about now that uh, are you guys working on? Uh, I mean, the the non out definitely is is something that we feel very passionate about. Um, a, I, you know, we actually have, we we drink quite a bit non alcoholic beer when we're not drinking our own. Um, it's probably just a smart thing to do. Um, but we just feel it's it's a really exciting category. Um, it's a totally different retail experience. It's a totally different sales channel for us. It's a totally different, um, you know, consumer group. Um, there's a lot. There's obviously a lot of noise. There's a lot of you know people that are you know jumping on that train right now. But you know we've got a couple of ideas to make it unique, like we've done with our two two beers now. Um, I see that there's a question coming up. I'm not supposed to. I don't know if I'm supposed to answer that or not. Absolutely. Go for it. We, we, we've probably been talking about, you know, uh, a seltzer more often recently. It was kind of something that wasn't really on our radar, you know, when we first started. It's not anything that's immediate, but it's something that's definitely, you know, starting to gain a little bit more traction within, you know, our daily meetings and conversations about what's next. And then kind of just looking at some other seasonal products, um, you know, that we think would really do well in the community for our communities and to help us also, you know, continue to grow ours. Okay. I mean, I didn't even know if like a, cause uh, beer in a buzz, I was just asking, do you consider functional seltzers might've been easier to market? I don't know if functional seltzer is, is, is that even a thing? Well, <laughs> there's one company that has, is claiming an elect electrolytes in the seltzer. Um, I will say that one thing that was like, at least Ooh, early yeah, on was kind of like, uh, one of our pillars is that there's something about beer as a beverage where it's cultural, you know, that at a finish line of a thousand person race, I think it's a beer that you want to toast with your fellow kind of compadres there than, than a seltzer. Yeah. That's maybe a me thing. I'm not sure, but there's something about beer, you know, it's history, how long it's been around. Um, 
there's something special about that beverage beyond, yeah. you know, the exact ingredients and makeup of it and whatnot. I think the idea of, Hey, let's meet for a beer, you know, one beer could change your life kind of thing. Depends on how, depending on how that, that beer goes. Um, you know, I am now getting more excited about seltzers. Um, but also, you know, early days, you know, we didn't have any capital to go launch at the beer store even. And, and, you know, the LCBO doesn't work with seltzers. Um, Right. Yeah, I think a whole, whole host of reasons that pushed us into beer, but the most important one being that we were most excited about being part of innovating this kind of very, almost like a sacred cultural icon hmm. of a beverage. Um, but yeah, like electrolytes in a seltzer sounds like it would be, you know, it could be killer for sure. Yeah. Um, would love to do that. I would say for, for us right now, we want to run with, with our portfolio get the non-alcoholic out. We've got to, you know, get the business humming and, and, and learn how to get, you know, cans are hard to get a hold of right now and all the supply chain right, stuff. Yeah. But, uh, you know, definitely innovating at, at the kind of seasonal level for sure. And, you know, start to do, do one of those, you know, each season is a big goal of ours. Okay. So there's a bunch of stuff on the horizon with, with the non-alc uh, likely to be the next one and, uh, you know, many more functional products to come yeah yeah for sure oh yeah i love it boys and, this is- and also Craig, like we we've yeah. also talked about doing you know this rally cafe we kind of call it in in internally at least uh call that a working title but the idea of having you know probably something a little bit amped up from my homebrew setup but bring it into you know a physical space where we can do way more experimental brewing you know in-house ourselves control it um, that's definitely a dream of ours. COVID has definitely pushed it back further than we wanted because we thought this was going to be over a long time ago, I think back when we started, but, um, oh, yeah. you know, that's a big goal of ours too, is to incorporate, you know, probably some sort of clubhouse kind of space, start and a ride kind of thing. And, um, hopefully incorporate some of this more experimental brewing there where we can run smaller batches and bring in athletes that want to experiment with some something that they've added to their nutrition program mm. and uh i think that's how we'll stay on the bleeding edge of uh you know functional beers i love that like collaborating with the athletes too like just doing collabs and coming up with just crazy yeah. things that maybe people hadn't tried before and i love that that's awesome. yeah and that's probably a stepping stone for us to then you know think about maybe getting into the actual you know brewing manufacturing business i think that a lot of people, when they think about craft beer, they really think you got to own the, the whole bricks and mortars. But, um, I mean, there's a tremendous amount of different skill sets required to run a successful uh, beer business. And so, you know, I think the Rally Cafe, do bring the experimental brewing in would be a really nice stepping stone. I love it. No, it makes sense. It's the next logical step. And, uh, you know, it, it definitely feels on brand for everything you guys are doing. I love it. And, you know, mm-hmm. Hopefully all this crap will be over sooner or later and you can, you know, move into it. Though at the same token, there hasn't, you know, I've heard numerous success stories of obviously you guys, but like of bricks and water um, breweries that have opened mid-pandemic and killing the game. So I don't think yeah. it's impossible. I just, you know, as you know, for people who don't know, today Ontario shut the provincial borders on both sides and yeah. locked down and the cops have increased powers and all this shit is pretty wild. Um so yeah. like, who knows? Like, this is the biggest change that we've had and it's been a year of constant uncertainty for everybody, whether it's business owners or just human beings trying to operate in this world and know what the fuck we can do and not do. 
But um, for sure, hey man, you never know. The fact, I mean, first of all, congrats to you guys for you know opening during all of this and and you know getting products out in the market and and really creating a unique, engaging, interesting brand that's hitting in a market that was never really served before, at least up here. So congrats for that. It's awesome. You know, it seems like there's only big things to come. It's fantastic. I, I, I can just see right here, beer and a boat are saying the same thing. Cool as fuck. Hoping for big things for you boys. You know? Right on. Thanks. Beer and a bozo. Can't wait to get, to get him out to one of the events here. Yeah. He's in, uh, he's in Ontario as well. So, uh, okay, you know, right on. He definitely, uh, you know, if he wants to try your stuff, and anyone else in Ontario, the best bet for the new beer, the extra mile is the beer store, but the gold nail, you can get that in LCBOs. LCBO, uh, Longos, and uh, yeah, growing, it, growing in kind of that so that, I love it. Just remember now, i got to do a thumbnail. So do you guys want to hold up a little beer? I'm going to take a screenshot. Sure. Need to hold up this damn product. Let them know. Oh, yeah. There we go. I am not... Why haven't? Why can't I hold this right? Like I haven't done this before. All right, ready? Oh, that is just gorgeous! Look at that, stunning. Um, boys, really appreciate your time. Where can everybody find Rally online? Yeah, so follow us on Instagram at Rally Beer Co. That's where we're kind of most active right now. Otherwise, you can check us out at DrinkRally.ca. Sign up for our newsletter. That's where we kind of give the most insider access to things. And um, yeah, stay in touch with us. I love it. Stick around. I'm going to wrap this up. Stick around at the end. I'll just, uh, we'll, we'll wrap up uh, after. But uh, boys, thank you both for your time. I really appreciate it. I love what you guys are doing. You're great dudes. Uh, I wish you much success. I'm excited to uh, continue to follow the journey. And we'll, we definitely have to do this again. When you've got a few more products up, and we'll show the, the, the evolution of the business. I love doing that, like the follow-ups and stuff. It's fascinating. So we'll definitely keep in touch. Awesome, man. Really, really stoked. Thank you so love much it. for having us. Genuine pleasure. Guys, thank you again. Everyone, thank you for watching. If you enjoyed the episode, smash the thumbs up. Hit subscribe below. Hit the notification bell so you know when the new episodes drop. Follow us on social media at BOS Podcast. And check out the long-form audio so you can hear attractive gentlemen like Alan and Spencer. Talk about craft beer. We'll be back next Thursday, I think, at 9 p.m. Check Instagram stories. Who even knows anymore? See you guys next time. Peace.